a person of color will tell you how different the world is seen from inside a skin of color than a skin of white. And so all of those points of view should be present at the table when the laws are written and the policies are made. Turning outrage into outcomes. This is the Texas Blue Action Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Texas Blue Action Podcast. I am Lana Hansen. And um, if you haven't had a chance to check us out before, I would love if you went back and uh, listened to a couple of our episodes. We've covered everything from Permitless Carry with Shannon Watts to um, barriers for women running for office here in Texas. And you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. We are available on all platforms. And today I'm really excited because I am here with Representative Alex Dominguez of House District 37 and Representative James Tallarico of House District 52 here in our Texas State Legislature. And we're going to talk a little bit about what the hell just happened. Our state legislature, uh, the special third special session wrapped up yesterday. And, uh, you know, our uh, Republican um, House members and, and Senate members tried to pass everything from, um, you know, banning mask mandates, banning vaccine mandates, um, and were successful in some incredibly extremist legislation from what we saw with the abortion ban, um, voter rights um, being rolled back, and then also, um, you know, some anti-trans legislation, which is very harmful to uh, trans children in our schools. And then most recently, um, they passed the racist redistricting maps that, that we're seeing. And um, both of you, if I'm correct, have been gerrymandered now out of your district. Um, and, and I would just like to start by, and James, we'll, we'll start with you. Let's talk about the tone of this session. You know, the reports coming out is that this, you know, for those of you that are listening um, that may not know, our Texas state legislature only meets every couple of years, generally for 140 days. We have had a number of special sessions that have happened this go around. And so our state legislatures have actually been there, legislators have been in session for approximately 10 months now. Um, and so let, let's talk about what that has been like and, and what has the tone been like um, in the House, James, if you'd like to start for us. Yeah, you know, it's been an evolution because um, Alex and I both got elected in the same class. Our first session was in 2019. And that session in many ways was kind of the polar opposite of what we saw this year. Um, I was a teacher before I ran for office and I, I signed up to do this because I wanted to change this, the system of education in our state to help low-income kids like the ones I taught on the west side of San Antonio. And that session, we made big progress toward that goal, right? Alex and I worked with our Republican colleagues to pass House Bill 3, this historic transformative school finance reform package. Um, and it was a session where you saw collaboration, right? We had disagreements, but there was still this bipartisan ethos. I naively, in some ways, came into this session um, in, in 2021 thinking we'd have the same spirit of, of um, compromise and of common ground. And that has slowly faded away as this year has progressed. You know, we, we still in the regular were able to pass some good things. You know, I passed a bill to lower the price of insulin um, for diabetics in this state. I was able to pass a, a historic early childhood 
education bill um, and, and, and Javier Ambler's law to hold police accountable um, after they kill our own citizens. And so that was great. But we have seen the Republican Party move so far to the right, um, you know, bullying trans kids, banning abortion, um, undermining democracy, whitewashing our curriculum, um, you know, banning mask mandates and vaccine mandates. I mean, the Republican Party of Texas is out of control. Um, and I've regrettably come to the conclusion that I, I don't think there is a way um, to work with them anymore. And that's heartbreaking for me as a member of the House. But I, I think the evidence shows the only way to stop them is to beat them. Right. So we had um, Representative Crockett on to talk about um, SB8. And she said something that, that has kind of stuck with me. You know, I asked her what it was like to have to, uh, you know, work side by side with people that were adamantly trying to take away her personal rights. And uh, she said, you know, that a lot of people will call it politics, that you grin and bear it and you show up and shake hands, but that she said, I'm at the point where I can no longer hug my abuser. And I think that that is something that, that we're really looking at in the House right now, that it is so extreme, uh, that it is it's such a challenge. And so, Alex, I would like to move to you. I mean, how do you feel about that in, in relationships that you've seen over this last um, session? You know, I think one of the most telling differences between the 86 and the 87th is we had a number of, of leaders, uh, especially from the other party, who were, who were chairs, you know, you had Chairman Huberty, uh, who fought valiantly all last session uh, to make sure that education funding was in place for, for students, for staff, for educators, uh, to provide the tools that Texans need for the next generation. Uh, and yet this year he was sidelined for political differences within the, his own party and still came back to be a leader at the end of the regular session to salvage some bills, to fight hard in the special session. And I, I consider him a friend and a good Texan, not just a, a good legislator, even though he's a Republican, he's a good Texan. We saw, you know, Chairman Larson in the 86 fight hard to provide mm -hmm. clean water mm -hmm. for Texans in developing areas around the state to make sure that they have their needs for future growth. And again, he was sidelined this past session so we see a lot of leadership, a lot of skilled people being put aside for partisan reasons in, in no way to help the state. And, and both of them, I think, are frustrated with their own party and sure. both announced their retirement. And I think that's telling. How can you expect Democrats to be incredibly successful when even their best Republicans are not allowed to lead? Instead, we're hearing voices from outside uh, the the Granite Dome, who are really pushing policy. And that's not what a lot of people signed up for, because I think, by and large, many members ran to make this a better state. And I think they realize that in the current climate, not even they can be successful. Right. I mean, I was really disappointed to hear that Representative Larson wasn't going to run again. I thought he was a, a great voice of reason for the Republican Party. And I um, I think we all know that it's important in order to have a healthy democratic system that we we do have, you know, op opposing sides, right? That we have a healthy Republican Party, a healthy Democrat Party. And um, and we're just not seeing that. It seems to get farther and farther and more extreme. And, you know, so let's pivot for a second to to maps here. And, and what do you think these maps 
mean for Texans? Um, you know, we've seen them uh, divide up communities of color. Uh, we knew this was coming. We know there'll be lawsuits. Um, what is your feeling, of Representative Tallarico, about uh, sort of the future with, with these maps that they've laid out for us? Well, first, I want to thank you for calling these maps what they are, which is racist. Um, in my own community, there are three concentrations of black and brown citizens. Um, there's Central Round Rock, there's Southern Taylor, and there's Southern Georgetown. Um, some of these are historic um, communities of color. In the maps that the Republicans passed, they drew each of those three communities into three different districts mm -hmm. and paired each of those communities with rural white voters. In a county like Williamson that is only 55% white, white voters have been given control of 100% of the Texas House districts in that county. And if that's not racist, I don't know what is. So thank you for, for naming that. Um, but the goal is to um, insulate themselves as Republicans from the will of the people. It's fundamentally undemocratic. Um, and there is a direct connection between the policy outcomes we just discussed uh, which is far right, culture war, red meat stuff, and these, these maps that were just passed. Um, the two are related because representatives are only going to be accountable to the voters in their community. And if you draw a bunch of red seats that are heavily Republican, the only people they are going to be accountable to are their Republican primary voters who are not representative of the whole state. And so most of these Republicans are not going to have to run in general elections. They're not going to have to answer to regular people in their district. And that's why they're they're pursuing some of these crazy far right policies. Um, and so until we reckon with the systemic problems in our political system, we're not going to see the policy outcomes that we all want. Right. I 100 percent agree. And, and what we saw in Representative Dominguez, maybe you can answer this question for me, is, you know, with the latest census data that 95 percent of our growth was people were, you know, people of color in our state. And so in situations like this where they've, they've taken a map and they're, you know, dividing up uh, communities of color and, and making it a, a white majority district in a state that is is slowly and actually very quickly becoming a majority minority state, does it feel personal when they draw you out of the district that you've been representing? Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure they had a target on my back even before uh, we went to Washington. Uh, but I'm not afraid of having the, those targets, but I'm not the only one to be targeted. We sure. saw two Hispanic women out in El Paso now being forced to run against each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, they made part of a, a district favorable to uh, one Hispanic male who would have to drive about six hours to go and meet those constituents. So they're picking and choosing who they want to help and who they want to hurt. And, and when we look at the state population as a whole, we see that the, the white only population versus the Hispanic population being neck and neck. This is no longer a, a, a white majority state. It's a minority majority state. And we should expect to see at some point the representatives up in the Capitol, whether it's the Senate, the, the Texas House, or, or even Congress, to be a little bit more representative of our populations as a whole. And, and while we certainly see lots of uh, people identifying as being biracial, and, and that's I think that's fantastic, uh, it, you know, it's the blending of our cultures, of, of our ethnic identities. We are not seeing that in policy. Mm -hmm. what, what we're seeing clearly in policy is the last vestiges of a group of 
let's call it for what it is, old white men trying to retain power. They're afraid of what's coming. And what's coming is people that look like me, uh, people that are going to have blended households who are going to be thinking beyond just the color of our skin. It, rather, they should be focusing on the ideas that we have and what we have to offer the state. But they don't know that. They're afraid of what's coming. Okay. And really what they should be doing is opening a dialogue with us. So until that happens, uh, it's game on. So do you think that um, that's part of the reason that um, the legislation that they worked on passing this session went so far to the right is that they see what's coming and they understand this is maybe their last opportunity to pass some of these extreme bills? Or do you think that they believe that this is representative of what Texans want? And maybe uh, Representative Tallarico, you can field that first. And then, Alex, I would love to hear your opinion as well. You know, this is um, this these past 10 months of legislating have obviously taken a toll on so many people across the state, especially uh, communities that have been particularly targeted um, by this legislature. And it's also taken a toll on the members um, of this body. I, I know it has for Alex. I know it has for, for many of my other fellow Democrats on the floor. Um, and it has for me, too. You know, this has shaken a lot of my core beliefs in in what's possible in that in that building um, and what we can really achieve. But when I feel hopelessness start to start to lurk in the shadows, um, the way I comfort myself is knowing that this is a death rattle. You know, this is the last gasp of a of a, a dying coalition um, in the state of Texas. Um, and there is a new Texas struggling to be born. And I have every confidence that we'll be able to usher in that new Texas within this decade. Um, it may seem very dark right now, um, but as the old saying goes, it's always darkest right before the dawn. Um, and, and I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so it may, it may feel like things are um, slipping out of our grasp, but in reality, the reason the Republican Party um, is pushing to pass these, these hateful, bigoted, corrupt bills, and the reason they're passing these racist maps is because they know the state is slipping away from them. Mm -hmm. Alex, what are your thoughts there? You know, I, I think uh, what the demographic has shown for the past 10 years is that people like me are having a lot more babies um, quickly than non-people of color. And what that shows is we're a younger population. And I think, as James tells us, this is, I think, their last chance. If you look at the way they drew House and Senate seats they were drawn in a way to protect the incumbents as much as possible, to try to keep them there, knowing that eventually people are moving out of the urban areas into the suburbs and even from the suburbs out into the rural areas as those suburb, suburbs continue to grow. Our population in our major cities throughout the state it is the majority of the population in the state. And they know that the needs of people from these urban and suburban areas are focused on our primary needs, good education, good infrastructure. They're not going to be favoring things that some of the rural areas seem to favor. And I think there's really, when we look at the Republican Party versus the Democratic Party uh, in, in Austin and possibly in Washington, D.C. as a whole, is you're finding the tension between the urban and the rural. Mm -hmm. and, and there's this belief among the rural representatives, and I, I speak with them often, that their values are, are somehow very different than our own. 
when I think we actually want the same thing. We want safe schools. We want safe streets. We have different approaches to them. We believe that we have institutions in place that the public should be supporting, the public should be paying for, uh, whether it's healthcare, uh, good law enforcement, you know, a good fire department. And they believe, no, instead, let, let's just get as many guns as possible because we can use those guns to defend ourselves. And, and, and that's fantastic. But that solution doesn't work in all parts of the state. So I think that is the greater conversation that we should be having at some point soon, because that will be the larger tension. What does it mean to be a Texan? There's this romantic notion that a Texan has a six shooter at their side uh, at all times. And, and I, we certainly saw that with the permitless carry bill this past session. I, I, I don't know who actually wanted that. The only people I can think that wanted that are people that couldn't pass the test mm-hmm. to get a license to carry it on legally. If you can't shoot straight and you can't pass a written exam, well, maybe you shouldn't carry a gun. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. And, you know, I would almost argue that we don't even know who a lot of our rural voters are, because that's been, in my opinion, a failure of what Democrats have done in Texas is that we're not talking to them. And with the way that we have grown, we have not spent enough time on the ground canvassing and and in doing the work that groups like Blue Action does to connect with these voters and ID them and and update the data that we have as to who these folks are. I think actually a lot of rural voters are just being left out of the conversation. And and that's a real failure as Democrats and something that we need to address immediately and build that infrastructure in those communities uh, to turn them out and and to to hear their needs, because I think a lot of them are just choosing not to show up. Um, and so, you know, we've got the the Freedom to Vote Act, right? That's up and in discussion today. I know y'all broke quorum and went to you know advocate for that type of policy. Um, you know, are you hopeful that it's going to pass? Is it our last hope to end these maps? Um, you know, you know what it, it could do so much for Texans from allow us to have better access to mail in voting to stop gerrymandering um, as individuals that were there talking with other representatives. Uh, do we have a chance of, of seeing the feds sort of save Texas, uh, for lack of a better way to put it? Put it. And uh, James, if you don't mind fielding that first. Yeah, you know, Alex and I spent our, our whole summer um, in Washington, D.C., away from our families, away from our constituents, um, fighting for that piece of legislation. And honestly, you know, our quorum break took it from a non-existent conversation to one of the hottest conversations in the country um, and, sh- and shine a national spotlight on what the Republicans are trying to do, not just with the voter suppression bill, but also with these racist gerrymandered maps. Um but eventually, you know, we had to come to the conclusion that uh, we can't do their job for them. As much as Alex and I would love to, to pass that, um, that pro-democracy legislation, we're not uh, U.S. House members and we're not U.S. senators. What we did was gave them all the information, all the momentum they could possibly want to get it done. Now, we've seen progress, for sure. Um, we saw a new bill be introduced. Um, we've seen action in the Senate. Um, we've seen the announcement from Senator Schumer about getting a vote. So I, and we saw the announcement from President Biden that he was willing to now get personally involved. And honestly, I think that's a tribute to our quorum break and, and jumpstarting this entire conversation. Um, but we got to keep the pressure on and we need and it can't just come from us. It's got to come from everyone across the country. Um, Democrats in particular need to step up, pressure Democratic lawmakers at the federal level 
to do what is necessary um, and pass this pro-democracy legislation in whatever form it comes in, um, because we are we are out of time um, here in Texas and across the country. Um, and until that legislation passes at the federal level, we're going to continue to see the systematic campaign to undermine democracy at every turn. Right. And Representative Dominguez, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I think that the solution here is, is twofold. I think both statewide and, and nationally, we, we need to be supporting Democrats who vote like Democrats. There is the idea that that there's no way we would ever go backwards was clearly um, in focus this past summer when we realized that at least in Texas and Georgia and Florida and in about 13 other states, that's exactly what the Republicans want to do. They want to take a step back in time to a time when uh, there were plantations and and everybody had a their own ranch or you know probably a, a person or two that was their subservient. That's where we are right now, and I'm, I don't want to say that to sound alarmist. That is exactly mm-hmm. where they want to be vote wise. So we can't lessen up our fight, and and we we gave it our all when we were up in in D.C. And it was certainly not a, a palatial uh, vacation for us. We, we were every day messaging. We were meeting with representatives, meeting with senators, uh, trying to get the word out. And we found a lot of national support because I believe there is support to set politics aside at times when it comes to redistricting, because some states have gotten it right. They have nonpartisan or bipartisan commissions that work out good maps and a good map is a map that not everybody's entirely happy with. That that's a pretty good sign that not everybody's right. going to get their way. You got to go out there. You got to earn those votes. You got to earn your seat up in the legislature or up in Congress. And I think what we saw this past summer and even now is there is a hunger because there's a fear there amongst people that vote Democrat, but also a fear among those that vote Republican. That if we get our way. That if somehow Senator Manchin and Senator Cinema can find the strength to set aside a slight carve out of the filibuster rules, then now we are on even footing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all that we want. We're not asking for an advantage. We just want a level playing field. Heck, I'll even take, you know, a 48 percent chance, you know, versus what we have right now, because, you know, sometimes we get kicked in our teeth and, and we have we have taken it all year from our Republican colleagues, all year. And um, it, it is partly our fault for not winning more seats in 2020. I'll, I'll grant that. And it's, it's my fault for not making sure that I didn't get out more supporters helping out in the Dallas area, even though I don't represent Dallas. I, I need to be doing more statewide. I need to be doing more on the national picture. But I think what we need to do as, as Texans and Americans is get on the horn, start talking to donors who talk to these senators and say, we need you to get on team Democrat. And if not, we need you to get out of the way. I think that's fair. And I think you bring up an important point. Um, You know, well, two things. One of the things I loved about y'all breaking quorum was that national attention that we got. I think that people need to understand that what is happening in Texas has a massive national implication. And that conversation is not being had loud enough I mean, we have 40 electoral college votes now, right? Uh, to, to flip this state, 
means a lot for Democrats at, at the national level. And so, uh, you know, rather than see people turn away from us, this is where I feel like people need to double down on Texas and, and, and the power that we hold. And then, you know, Representative Dominguez, you know, you mentioning that we all need to do the work statewide. You know, I, I very much think that's true. We all need to get on board um, organizations like ours and, and be able to support all the candidates, you know, up and down the ballot to ensure that, that we're all working together and we're working efficiently and, um, you know, are, are able to support each other um, you know, at the party level, right? Um, because it's easy to get stuck in our bubble and think that winning just one seat um, is going to make a big difference. And it does, you know, every seat matters. But I think we could do more work as a party to be more collaborative and help protect and work for each other. You know, what we saw is that the five safest Democratic congressional seats in Texas have the lowest Democratic voter turnout. That should not be happening. Right. They should have the highest voter turnout. I'll, I'll share a criticism that I have of my fellow uh, regional members that are all Democrats who don't do uh, as much on the House floor to help us in, in our causes. And I, I think the reason why they do this, at least in part, is we don't get the statewide attention. You know, there will always be big fights in in the Harris County area and the DFW area. And they're important fights that we had. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But now we see South Texas being targeted by, by Republicans. Uh, clearly I, I was zoned out of my own district because they think they can turn what's left over into a flip seat. It's a district that Greg Abbott won. So I think it's important for Texans and even our national supporters to take a look at those races that, that maybe don't seem all that important, except that if we have Democrats in those seats, there's a really good chance that they're going to vote the way we want other Democrats to vote. It might be an issue that focuses, say, for example, on, on, on Dallas uh, or, or Austin. Well, they rely on our support, too. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to go in with a collaborative approach. And I'll say kudos to Republicans because they all get in line. They really do, uh, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, probably because they fear a primary challenge. And and Democrats really are actually, we're all pretty independent mm -hmm. on the floor. We we actually have to work our own members and remind them, hey, I, I need your support on this bill. And, and and normally, you know, the answer is yeah. not always with James. And sometimes he wants me to explain, <laughs> explain some things to him. But, uh, you know, I, I think we need to be more disciplined as uh, not mm -hmm. just as members, but as politicians to put in the work, to put in the time to research all the bills and know exactly what we're voting on. Sure, that absolutely makes sense. And, you know, I think that a lot of people uh, were really disappointed in the outcome in Texas in 2020. And, you know, y'all just ended this massive legislative session and are going right into campaign season again. And, you know, I, I know you each have, have plans and I'm so excited to see that you're going to stay in the fight here. But, you know, before we wrap up, I want to hear, you know, um, are you excited about next year? And, and are you excited about the path that you think Texas is on? Um, and so, uh, Representative Tallarico, we'll start with you. I, I don't know if I would say excited, but I certainly am hopeful. Um, one of the things that, that motivates me is the number of young people who showed up at the Capitol over the last 10 months 
to fight for our progressive values. Um, you know, Alex correctly pointed out the primary target in these maps is disenfranchising people of color. Um, he also pointed out that there are um, impacts of this map where we disenfranchise women in the Texas Capitol, as we see in El Paso. And, you know, as the youngest member of the legislature, um, they have drawn me out of my district because they know that young people are rising up um, and speaking truth to power. And so I, all of those um, constituencies of our progressive movement have to be mobilized and have to be organized if we're going to flip this state, which I know we will. Um, it's just a matter of when and it's a matter of how hard we work. Uh, but if these past 10 months have been any indication of the fight that's in our progressive movement, I'm very hopeful and optimistic about our chances in the years to come. Great. Representative Dominguez, how are you feeling about uh, where we're headed and what 2022 looks like? Yeah, I, I hate to say this, but I think we may have inspired some people to run for office. Mm -hmm. And and we need that. Uh, we need some, some fresh faces, some, some energy. Uh, not to say that we've depleted all of ours, but we need a couple of days to to catch our breath. You know, we've been at this for about 10 months mm -hmm. and, and I'm angry and I, I actually don't want that anger to subside. It, it keeps me warm. And during these winter months and knowing there will likely be another freeze that knocks down the energy grid, I'll need that anger to keep me going. Um, but I want to use that to, to be out there. You know, I, I sit on the HDCC and I want to find candidates. I want us to challenge every Republican seat out there. We know there are some that we could take out if we have good candidates. I think if the Democratic Party and as a House, we have a good message that we offer a solution. I'll tell you, this doesn't get reported very much in the media. Most of the best ideas that got passed during the regular session or during these special sessions were Democrat ideas. They okay. stole our bills and then they rebranded them as their own. And then sometimes wouldn't even let us co-author our own ideas. And they did this over and over again, claiming that they have the solutions when really they rely on us. Good Lord, if they didn't have any Democrats going back to the Texas House, they would be lost. Yeah. You know, they, they would go and pass more more gun bills, more abortion bans. They would probably ban the whole thought process yeah. if they could. They need us because we're the ones out there solving problems. And it's, I think, incumbent upon us to find those fighters, those warriors that want to join us in that fight. And that's how we're going to take this state back. I'm so happy to hear you say that. You know, I really have felt so hopeful over the last year and, and have often felt alone in that. But, you know, particularly in being active in helping build democratic infrastructure, you know, uh, getting volunteers to knock doors and, and get involved and then seeing what has happened from Greg Abbott with what he did with mask mandates in our schools, being a parent myself and active in um, the movement to, um, you know, have school districts implement mask mandates is a lot of people have come to the table that are angry. A lot of people are showing up and I feel an energy that I didn't feel in 2020. And, uh, you know, so now that we have everybody's attention who's listening, you know, there are things that we all have to do to get involved here. And that means, you know, we all need to invest in, in knocking doors and doing the phone bankings and getting behind our down ballot candidates because the down ballot is going to flip the top of the ballot. That's how it works, not the other way around. And if we want to turn around what happened this session, we need people to be electing new House members to replace the 14 
that are looking like are maybe not going to run again next year, 14 so far. Um, that's where we need to put our focus. And so, you know, find an organizing group. You can, of course, check out blueactiondems.com or email me at info at blueactiondems and we can plug you into one of the areas we're organizing or find the folks in your area that are doing it. But, but let's keep that fire lit. You know, we have a real opportunity in 2022. I would argue in Texas, it's almost a bigger election year than 2020 was. And, and I really believe we can make some gains. I think we're headed the right way and I feel hopeful. And so I wanna thank both Representative Dominguez, Representative Tallarico for being here with us today. I wanna thank Progress Texas for hosting uh, this podcast today. And I hope everybody will come back and join us again next week. Thanks, Martha. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Texas Blue Action Podcast, a production in affiliation with Progress Texas. Texas Blue Action is founded on progressive grassroots action, focused on year-round neighborhood organizing and committed to building sustainable democratic infrastructure in Texas. We turn out the voters that the Texas GOP fears the most. Production by me, Chris Mosier. Theme music generously provided by James McMurtry. Join Texas Blue Action at blueactiondems.com and also on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week.